0: Flower House by Ina Tiernan Bailey When we first climbed out of the car and met in the middle of the driveway to take each other's hand, we crossed our fingers behind our backs as well, hoping this would be the final stop. Through three weeks of opposite work schedules and one or both for going sleep, we managed to step into over a dozen houses with pristine white carpet or sandy wood floors to find which one could make our true home. Michael always had a positive opinion, of course, being that the alternative was remaining on rent for a small bedroom with less than kind family. But some tours had outdated kitchens and ancient AC, or otherwise lacked something I could not quite explain. His impatience with my pickiness at this point was an amusing thing as he'd end up slouching against a stranger's wall with his staple childlike pout. But each time I would tell him we were getting closer, that the higher premium, so to speak, would be worth it. Now, the house we stood before was a two-story brown one with an impeccable emerald yard in a cozy middle-aged street. I looked at Michael, and he at me. I think the brown looks unique, he said, reading the offense in my eyes. He let go of my hand and walked up to the door, where he tapped a few buttons on his phone to unearth the lock's code. I watched him as he opened it. The door gave with a light push on the handle, one of those old-fashioned locks behind the protection of the modernized screen door, and he turned around to me, waiting. Just gonna stand there and stare? I tore my eyes away from trying to glimpse beyond the house's corner, where I felt I should check if we would be lucky with a new meter. (laughs) You'd like that, wouldn't you? Well, he leaned against the doorframe. If you try to look pretty while you do, then yes. He sent a small and almost imperceivable wink. I nodded, smiling from ear to ear, pretending to be prissy while I fixed the cuffs of my long sleeve. My shoulders had those puffs that annoyed him so very much when he wasn't tipsy. So he says, but I was quite certain he meant the opposite. He chuckled. Oh, come on, Miss Universe. I need your opinion on this. I gave up my judgeful post as he swung the front door back and forth with that hopeful gleam in his eyes. He had a way of erasing everything beside himself out of existence and replacing it with the serene and delicate touch and sound of what could only be akin to the calm and quiet of nightfall after rain following a years-long drought. Romantic, you say. An over-exaggeration, but it's the truth. We walked inside together as we do all things. The rooms were so big, he said, and the backyard had a saltwater pool paired with grass, big enough for a husky for sure. His voice echoed down the hall where I stood in the laundry. Look at all the places I could put my collectibles. He was talking about the surfaces under the high ceilings which were intended for houseplants and art, but he so loved his figurines. I meant to quip that even he would need a tall ladder to reach so high, but as I stood up from calculating the cost of fixing the spidery cracked clay tiles hidden away in the laundry nook, I I swore I saw blackness creeping in the corner of my eyes. Like those spots when your eyes are tired except it did not cross the peripheral of my vision when I looked up. It seemed to be fixed upon the wall. I I spun around, staring at the cream-colored bohemian wallpaper. There was nothing. It It was the stress, you see, all this house shopping. If we picked the wrong place, it would all tumble to dust. My plans, his, but most importantly, the ones we shared. It was hard enough to stomach signing 30 years worth of paychecks away to a labyrinth of walls and tiled up earth, but even more so to a sense of pining dread in case we weren't meant to be there. The sound of his converse shifting around a few rooms down tore me away from the existential dread in my head. We met again in the kitchen. He was tracing the soft accent of the backsplash along the back of the chrome counters while I fiddled with the drawstring blinds over the large windows. So, opinion? He asked in as mellow of a voice as he could muster. He forced himself to do something practical to prove his detachment by taking the measuring tape out of his pocket to check the area where the fridge would go, just in case, you know. Well, I can tell you're in love with it, but... I drew out the dreaded word as I watched him. A peak of the sulk drove his shoulders down. After I didn't continue for some too long seconds, he cast a glance at me over his shoulder. But... I thought of the pool where the children would swim... The backyard always active with two family dogs. Perhaps a cat would be napping in that corner where I envisioned our living room would be. I'd have marinated meats ready for the barbecue sitting there up on the countertop and the doorbell would go off with all his work friends stopping by to say hi because they couldn't get enough of this paradise we'd created. So therefore they always had a reason to come. And his figurines speckling the edges of the ceiling My love coming home in his light blue scrubs Every afternoon or evening With a soft gleam of peace in his eyes No matter the prior chaos And to think it would be us Forever That would be me at the door In my mom jeans and t-shirt Opening it for him with a beaming smile I stooped next to him Touched his face But you have to promise me, we're getting rid of the brown paint. He hugged me so hard and almost cried, in fact. I could see the beautiful reflection of a true sense of freedom blossoming in his eyes already. To have a place of one's own had been a dream he never thought he could meet. The cards had been stacked against him for too long in a dead-end job. So... My love and I met at some corporate building uptown to sign. He'd been a tall, lost puppy throughout the whole process, but as he signed on the last line, he grinned and looked up at me. Sushi bar at 9pm. You and me, missy. Of course. What kind of girlfriend would I be if I refused? On day four of settling in, the sofa finally came. The one we picked out from a display set from the store, so apt for our new circumstance, at home. He had almost purchased some used furniture off Facebook until I convinced him otherwise. Needless to say, the look on his face after I'd set up our Pinterest-worthy living room was absolutely delicious. I dragged him around the house, our house, to show him all the laundry I had done, the gardening I'd completed, the pool tiles I cleaned along the edges, and so on. He said only I could get so much done in a day and kissed the top of my head. He hugged me close to his body and rocked me as our taco filling sizzled on the stove later that day near dinner time. So your last day off is next Sunday? He asked. I bounced a little on my toes so I could kiss his adorable nose. Yes, so we better go pick up that puppy. He grinned as he ran his fingers through my hair. I felt the muscles in his body soften as he couldn't help but breathe my seashore shampoo in. I kept my hair so long for him to curl and braid with his wandering fingers and sojourner soul. It was a pain to comb and dry and curl, but I did it all for my beloved. I'm not so sure about that one now. My mom did some research and the litter comes from a puppy mill. He continued explaining the new puppy options he'd found. I turned our chipotle chicken around in the pan as I listened, happy to melt into him as he went on and on. But a faint shadow flickered in the corner of my eyes. I tracked it. It stood behind the area where the dying light bulbs could reach, where Michael had started setting up the puppy's bed and toys. Focusing on his voice was all that kept me from tensing as the shadow spasmed, phasing in and out of existence as it did. And yet it seemed to move closer into the light. I felt my heart jump into my throat, but he said something about California. I, I blinked and it was gone. The gentle pressure of his hands around my arms tightened. he asked me a question, perhaps multiple by the look of concern on his face. What? What? Sorry. I zoned out, my love. We stood still for a moment, our eyes locked on each other. Then he peeled himself away from me and sat on the countertop next to the stove. That glassy, pensive glint in his eyes as he rubbed his hands around drained the blood from my lungs. It dragged the silence between us into a gaping void. He would appear to stare into another world he preferred to ignore after tracking whatever patterns on the floor. It passed after a moment more, replaced by a sudden humored and giddy expression. I asked if you wouldn't mind keeping a closer eye on everything if I decide to go adopt a puppy from my mom and dad's neighbor in California. I gave one last and partly shaky toss to the taco fillings and then coated our prepared tortillas. No, I wouldn't. Do you have a travel date planned? I could leave next Thursday and be back Sunday night. What do you think? I said it was fine by me, of course. He went back to mulling about that puppy as I set the table for us. I poured him his drink first and waited until he took the first bite to tell me how it was. He sent me a chef's kiss followed by a wink before complaining about how he looked stupid eating alone. He played some comedy videos and others on his phone, which we would both interject with groans about the depravity of goths at the gold. Nonetheless, the image of that odd shadow behind the lights haunted me even as I curled up into the heat of his body under the calm of his blankets. I resolved that I had to replace those bulbs sooner than later. I stood outside at the edge of our sidewalk as I watched his car pull off the driveway that next Thursday. It felt... Odd standing there without him and a sinking hole in my heart reminded me how much I would miss him. But I replayed our moments in my mind from earlier. Before, he'd climbed in with his small baggage of clothes for a weekend stay with his parents. I'd smoothed out the wrinkles from the sleeves of his shirt and kissed him goodbye. He moped about the long drive, lectured me about how I had to stay up late talking to him so he wouldn't fall asleep at the wheel no matter what. And almost had me go back inside to pack a little too But I reminded him what waited when he came back home With a spicy kiss on the secret spot on his neck That I created through months and months of delicate training I thought it was wicked how much I loved to drive him mad And how confident I could be compared to that buttoned up polo shirt With pigtail choir girl I used to be But driving him mad was the best part of us next to the love He picked me up and pinned me against the car, and almost crushed my teeth with the intensity of his kisses. Then he slowed and softened, meticulous as always, with every move he made. No matter the timing, no matter the occasion, I felt something inside my bones bloom for him, and him alone, each time we had these, focused droplets of heaven I felt a thousand touches when he touched me once I felt the rush of the rays of the Sun if they could be contained in a breeze when I breathed him in over dramatic drivel you say and I say it is the absolute truth for the 18 year old woman he made me into this was us on the daily we were both like orbiting moons to the same planet opposite directions but so perfectly so that we understood each other When I was up to mischief, he was my adult, when I felt anxious, as often I did since fleeing the nest, he knew how to hold me, how to touch me, what to say because he was six years older and he had been there before. It was quite miraculous how we fit. I may be the young fire lacking a sense of direction and control, but He tended my flame so that it grew beyond the safe boundaries I had been taught to contain it into. I could hear his voice by the way he looked at me sometimes when I was on the edge of falling asleep on his lap in front of the TV, saying breathtaking. I mused that he was my gardener and I was the blossoms of lilies he'd planted near the river before its sprouts could wither. I mean, subtract the overdramatic monologue of love and consider these. The stupid crossed eyes he'd make in the morning over coffee to make me wake up and laugh too early. The flowers I would bring home and leave at the table with a note when I had a long shift and would not see him for much too long. The hysterics during sex, the groaning and disgust together as we washed the dishes. How he gave me his old Apple watch so we would always be able to talk when father confiscated my phone. Before I decided he was worth running away for. Is that not what soulmates should be? As much as I wanted him to stay by me, I thought of the drive and how his mother was waiting, staring at the clock in their odd 1970s kitchen for his time to arrive to come. His parents had not seen him in almost a year. I had not met them or even spoken to them, but he said one day, when his life was more put together, as a middle child always thinks... He would introduce me. We would take a road trip to the woods or something with his parents and siblings, and we would be one big and happy family. I fantasized, perhaps too often, about his siblings and himself plotting on how to best propose to me on one of our family vacations, under the magnificent, fluttering flags of Sleeping Beauty's castle. So, there against the car with my nightgown pushed well above my knees, I pressed on the button for the garage door to open. I'd reached into his pocket for the keys. He stopped wandering and kissing to glare at me. Across the street, our old neighbor watered the grass. I'm sure he enjoyed the sight of us. I twisted out of Michael's hold and rubbed his back as he forced himself out of it. Come on. You come back and I'll have the rose petals on our bed. You know your mom would be quaking that you're delaying her well-deserved hugs. He tapped a foot while resting against the car. I hate you, he said, not being able to contain the humor he meant to hide. I ruffled his hair. You love me, baby, just admit it. I entered the car through the back door and climbed over the seats to drop into the driver's one where I turned on the car, prepped the heater, and rolled down the window. It's been getting a bit cold out there, so please stay warm, or else I'll have to coddle you and feed you canned chicken soup. He laughed, leaning into the open window. I'm okay with that, but please don't put roses on the bed. Tulip paddles keep showing up from somewhere in the mattress from a month ago. I do what I want, I said, tapping his chin. He smiled, one of those genuine, dimple-cheeked ones. And I fucking love it. Stop blushing, lady. Move. I climbed over to the passenger seat as he took the drivers to prep his navigation and all the little things he needed. He planted one last but delicate peck on my still-hot cheeks before telling me to go back inside and get some more sleep. Text me when you stop to eat, I said as he backed out of the garage. Send me a picture. He lowered the passenger window as he rolled down the curve. Of what? My McDonald's? Sure, kiddo. I kicked his car just a little Idiot grinning the whole time Smartass, get out of here Call me when you get to the I-10 I stood there at the edge of our sidewalk As I watched his car drive down our street He waved at me until he finally took the right out to the sub-street It felt odd standing there without him And a sinking hole in my heart reminded me how much I would miss him 793 miles and about 11 and a half hours until he reached his childhood home again. I ran my bare toes through our fading grass. It needed a reseeding and oh how much I wanted to see his baby photos on those walls. I would miss him but at least the weekend could be a time of abundant productivity. Our home would be settled down in entirety by the time he came back. Flower House will be continued.